Welcome, everyone, to First Baptist Church of Shakota's Audio Sermon. My name is Jeff Holt. I'm the student pastor here. October is Pastor Appreciation Month, and here at First Baptist Church, we took the time out to honor and recognize our pastor and his amazing wife by throwing them a dinner. We had a great time this past week at this dinner as we learned a little bit more about Pastor Steve as we played a trivia game, and our student band led us in a time of worship. It was then truly something special after all the people began to stand up and say something to Pastor Steve as they recall some of the things that he had done while he's been here these past 14 years. We love you, Pastor Steve and Miss Debbie. We appreciate all that you do for us. I would also like to take time to say thank you to all who came and supported our pastor this past Wednesday night. October 31st, our wonderful little town will be celebrating their fall festival. Here at First Baptist Church, we'll be celebrating right along with them. We will have games, inflatables, and be handing out massive amount of candy. Come and join us October 31st from 5.30 to 7.30 at our bus barn for the fall festival. Also, if you would like to help out with the fall festival, you can speak with Anna Holt. She's going to be organizing that for us this year. We'd love for you to join us on Sunday mornings at 9.45 for Sunday school time and 10.55 for our worship time if you live here in Shakota and don't have any place to go to worship. This past Sunday, Pastor Steve's son, Hayden Dennis, brought the message as he spoke on the first miracle of Jesus as he turned water into wine. Hayden will be reading from John chapter 2. All right, good morning, everybody. It is so exciting to be back here with you all. It's been uh, three years or so since I was here last, so... um, it's quite an honor to be back and see you all and all your bright and shining faces. Um, so today, I kind of thought we'd talk about newness, because some of you don't know, I have a new job I started last week, and so I've been talking about, or thinking about, and God's been showing me newness and transition and all of that. So I kind of thought, what better way to talk about that than what the Lord's working on in my life than to share with you all, right? I mean, that just seems appropriate to me. And so tonight, today, we'll be in John chapter 2. If you guys have a Bible, you can turn there. Um, if you have a Bible app, you can scroll there. Whatever you want to do, it's, that is your prerogative. If you just want to sit there and stare at me, do that too. <laughs> I recommend using a Bible or something because it kind of helps keep track along or something. But, hey, I can't tell you what to do. But, has, okay, so has anyone in here ever looked forward to something new in life? few of us, yeah. If you haven't, I mean, you may live a kind of a boring life. Like, I don't like anything new ever. Well, that's fine. But I did. And I, I kind of thought about this. It's kind of trivial, but I just, I remember every year, around this time especially, October 1st is the beginning of high school basketball, in case anybody did not know that. That was the first day you are able to practice beyond school hours. And October 1st, I always looked forward to it, but I also dreaded it because it was going to be a long practice and I was going to be out of shape because all summer I didn't do anything really. So, but it was a lot of fun. And every year on October 1st, we would have a meeting and we'd talk about getting a new set of like basketball shoes that year for the team because the team wanted us to wear all the same kind of shoes. We look together in uniform. And I looked forward to this because... That year prior, we used a team shoe, and you'd wear it every day for practice and every day for games, and then in the summer, we'd use it for summer stuff and all that stuff. So eventually, these pair of shoes got worn out. Grip was gone. I remember one day in practice, like it was like summer league, and I was running, and I tried to stop, but my shoe kept sliding because I had lost all my grip. It was not a fun time. I remember I bumped into people. We would just lose our grip, and we looked forward to this guy to show up every year and say, here's your options for a shoe you could have for basketball this year for the team. And we looked forward to it and we loved it because eventually when they came in, we'd put them on and we're like, 
Well, I can stop within, without having to slide another two inches or a foot maybe. We loved it. We were excited about this. Especially I was because I just love the new shoes. They're kind of nice to me. I kind of enjoy those things. But especially in basketball, it really helped learning. A good shoe helped me a lot. It was good. We looked forward to this newness. It would not make sense for me to keep say, you know what, I have this brand new shoe that's better, it kind of ties better, it helps me stop and grip the floor better. But you know what? I just love that old pair of shoes. I like to be able to slide around and not be able to grip or cut better. It wouldn't make any sense, right? But you have this brand new pair of better shoes. Why are you wanting to wear these ones? Like, I just love them better. It wouldn't make sense. Our coach would get mad at us if we ever tried to use those older shoes than the new ones. So let's just kind of talk about a newness and looking forward to it. In John chapter 2, we see some, Jesus is at a wedding, right? There's a newness happening in this passage. But a little bit of background before we get into the actual text. This is the very first week of Jesus' ministry. If you didn't know that, kind of look back at chapter 1. You notice in each of the headings or subheadings, whatever, in the little sections, you'll see John writes, the next day he saw this, or the next day again, the next day, the next day. He keeps repeating the next day because it's all one week period that is happening right here. This is Jesus' very first He's starting his earthly ministry, and John is wanting to point out this is all one week. Jesus has called his first disciples. That's a big thing as well. He's kind of starting saying, hey, follow me. Become fishers of men instead of actual fishermen and all that kind of stuff. He's starting this movement. We're also experiencing the 400 years of silence. Some of you may not, I have no idea what that is, Hayden. The time between the Old Testament and the New Testament, a lot of scholars think that was about 400 years or so. And so that's where God kind of, there wasn't, they didn't hear much, kind of the 400 years of silence. Israel is looking forward to, longing for the coming Messiah. They're like, who is it? When's he going to be here? When are we going to hear God's voice? When are we going to experience this? We've been saved in the Old Testament. Like, like in Egypt, we were saved. When are we going to be this Messiah that has been promised in all the old scripture? When is he going to be here? When's our Messiah coming? So they're looking forward to it. They're longing for it. Also, this passage of scripture, this is Jesus' first miracle. This is contrary to many non-canonical sources or texts that the ones that are outside the Bible that say he performed miracles as a child or a teenager. This goes against that. We know the Bible is all self-fulfilling and it all brings itself together. So this kind of goes and shows why those are outside of the canon, which is just a little fun fact for you there. But with all that kind of knowing, you know, this is all the first, this is Jesus' first ministry week and all that stuff, we can go ahead and, and read. Starting in verse 1, because what better place to start than the first verse? On the third day, there was a, so a wedding at Canaan in Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Jesus also was invited to the wedding with his disciples. When the wine ran out, the mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine. And Jesus said to her, woman, what does this have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, do whatever he tells you. 
Now there were six stone water jars there for the Jewish rites of purification, each holding 20 or 30 gallons. Jesus said to the servants, fill the jars with water. So they filled them up to the brim. And he said to them, now draw some out and take it to the master of the feast. So they took it out. When the master of the feast tasted the water, now become wine, and did not know where it came from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew, the master of the feast called the bridegroom and said to him, everyone serves the good wine first. And when people have drunk freely, then the poor wine. But you have kept the good wine until now. This is the first of his signs, Jesus did at Cana in Galilee, and manifested his glory, and his disciples believed in him. After this, he went down to Capernaum with his mother and his brothers and his disciples, and they stayed there for a few days. Let's pray real quick. Dear God, just thank you so much for another day to come together as a body of believers and to hear your word. Let it be your words, not my own today. Hide me behind the cross. Let us focus solely on you and you alone. Thank you for loving us and caring for us and giving us your word that it can build into us, edify us. In your mouth I pray, amen. amen. So there's a lot happening there in that passage of scripture. There's a lot there. So we're gonna kind of break it down a little bit, kind of go, but I want us to focus on one main point. But the first thing I want us to notice What did the servants do? Mary walks up to them, right? And she says, well, walks up to Jesus and says, Jesus, we need your help. And he's like, it's not my time yet. What are we doing? And she says, do whatever he tells you. And so they do. They did. It says they filled these jars, 20 to 30 gallons. That's a lot of water. They filled it to the brim, which... We know, filling to the brim, what that assumes. There's no more room for anything else. You've filled up cups or jars or buckets, I'm sure, in our life. And when you fill it up to the brim, it's kind of spilling out a little bit. There's no other room to add anything, right? They didn't question it. They just said, all right. So they filled them to the brim. No room for anything else. They were truly reliant on Jesus. They're like, all right, we'll fill them up. So they filled up. They are truly reliant here on what he says. And so one question I want us to focus on, and if you're taking notes, you can write it down just to think on it or pray on it later. When Christ commands you, do you fill it to the brim? When Christ commands you to do something in your life, saying, hey, go do this. Go talk to that person. Go follow this. Go do this action. Do you fill it to the brim and say, I'm going to be totally reliant on Christ right now? Or do you leave a little bit of room saying, I rely on Christ, but I want to leave a little bit of room because maybe I can help, you know? Maybe I can help out a little bit. Well, whenever you're not relying, whenever you're saying, you know what, I can help, you're not totally relying on Christ. Instead, you're saying, Jesus is cool, God's great, but I can help. He needs my help. He doesn't. I'm sorry if that burst your bubble or if that offends you a little bit. God does not need your help. He doesn't. He says, I've got this. Rely on me. So the servants, they didn't really know. I'm sure they may have heard about the baptism and all that kind of stuff, or Mary may have said some things about 
this is Jesus, this was promised whenever he was being born. But they didn't really have any foreknowledge of who this guy was. But they did it anyways. They also didn't question. They didn't say, you know, that's 20, 30-gallon jars. You know how heavy that'll be to carry, to fill to the brim? They didn't question. They just said, all right, we'll fill them up. Do we question when God sends you a, whenever you're reading during your quiet time or just meditating on Christ and you hear God speak to you, do you say, that can't be right. That's way too big. That's way too heavy for me to do. They did it anyways. So think to your life right now. Are you totally reliant on Christ? Are you filling your life to the brim and saying, I'm all in with Christ? And are you questioning Stop questioning God and just say, all right, that's what you want to do? I'll do it. Like, for example, I'll talk to my, my personal life. I was at Wagner for like three years as a student pastor. Great time. Loved it. Loved being here. I remember when I left here, I was like, I don't want to leave Dakota. This is home. <laughs> this is great. But I just knew God was calling me somewhere. And I was like, that's, this is going to be hard because I love everybody in Dakota. I don't want to leave. And then here in Wagner, I loved Wagner. It was a great time. But I just kept throwing a call to Northeastern State University. I was like, I don't know why, but I just, I just had to answer that call to become, help be in charge of a scholarship office a little bit. It was hard, and I was wanting to say, but that's not my plan. But God just kept showing me in this passage of Scripture Trust me. Fill it to the brim, Hayden. So in life, whenever you are coming across something, fill it to the brim. Focus on God. But our, our main focus for tonight, for, for today, I mean, is this little tiny phrase, manifested his glory. This miracle shows the glory of Jesus as sovereign creator and ruler of the material universe. It's kind of, a, kind of a wordy sentence, but it is. It shows the glory of Jesus as sovereign creator. Because think about it. During this time, right, even though it's in the New Testament in our book, think about this. They're still living under the law, the old covenant, Right? because they haven't met this new covenant yet. They're still living under the law that Moses and all of them were saying, here's what you got to do. But what did the law do? It says what to do with creation. If you read it, you can see it says like, do this and this and this. Treat it like this. And it also shows you, shows us our needs. The law says, here's what you need. You need a savior. You need to do this and be perfect. That's what they're living under here. But the law was never going to save. Instead, it shows humanity's sinful nature and a need for Christ, a need for a Messiah. But what is Christ doing in this section of Scripture? He controls creation. Where the law says, here's what you do with creation, Jesus says, well, here's what I'll do. I'll control it. I'll make that water into something completely new and different. 
He also met needs. So Jesus controls creation and also meets our needs. Jesus is saying, basically, you have an issue? Come to me. I'm in control of creation. Just wait till you see what I can do with a storm later. He's saying, trust me. I'm in control of this. I control creation because I am sovereign creator. Believe in me and rest well. Stop trying. The master of the feast even agrees, basically. He doesn't know what he's agreeing to, but he agrees to it. In verses 9 and 10, when the master of the feast tasted the water, now become wine, and did not know where it came from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew, the master of the feast called the bridegroom and said to him, everyone serves the good wine first. And when people have drunk freely, then the poor wine. But you have kept the good wine until now. He's basically saying, this is so much better. Why did we keep this till now when this is so much better? Why did we serve this inferior wine to this outstanding? He doesn't know where it came from. The servants knew. But he's like, this is so much better. And this is what Christ is also wanting us to realize. He is so much better. He's so much better than the law or all this stuff. Jesus is so much better than the law. He is. It's sort of a calling back to Moses, if you will. Think about this. What is Moses' first like public showing of, of God? He, does, he uses the staff in private, but his first public one is changing water into blood, right? That's the only other time you see water turning into something, water into blood. And what do the Israelites know Moses as? The guy who led them out of slavery, right? Kind of a savior, if you will. Jesus' first public display of his glory is saying, well, God changed water into blood, I'm going to change this water into wine. You think Moses is your savior? That's cool. But I'm a much better savior. Because think about it. The Israelites, they knew their history. They did. They knew the Exodus. They celebrated it every year at Passover. So some of those servants probably thought, wait, did he just change water into something? Do we remember something about like Moses or somebody changing water into something? He's saying, I'm so much better. Moses churned water into blood, which led to death. I'm changing water into wine and going to bring life and bring something and make it better. I'm going to make life so much better. It's kind of a callback there, if you will. But if Jesus is so much better than the law, why do we keep returning to a set of rules and regulations? Why do we keep saying... That's great and all, but I just really need to live by, I, I need to go to church four times a month. I need to do this and this and this and this, and then maybe I'm good enough. We know Jesus is great, and you say, I believe he's Lord of my life and Savior, but 
we still go back to that filling it not to the brim and getting a little bit of parts. Like, you know what? I need to go back to this. And if I'm good enough, maybe he'll love me. Like, like a little personal example for all of us. If you will. I'm sure all of us have something at our house right now that doesn't work properly. But we say, eh, it's, it's good enough. <laughs> right? We all have that. I remember in high school, we had a lawnmower that... Hannah and Hunter and Hillary may remember this, this lawnmower that me and dad used to have to jumpstart every time we wanted to mow the yard. And sometimes we'd have to jumpstart it even during mowing when it would just die on us. And I'd always be like, hey, dad, can we get a new one? He's like, it's good enough. I'm like, they have these brand new ones that are great? He's like, it's good enough, Hayden. It builds character. I'm like, I don't want character. Looking back, I'm like, yeah, he was right. It was, it, was, it was fine. But we all have that, right? We all have something. And you may be thinking, yeah, I do have that. that, that it doesn't work great, but I can get it to work, and it works good enough. It's, all, it's kind of humorous to think about those things as we're like, yeah, I could just go get something newer that's better and works great. But we do that with a, in our spiritual life, too don't we? We think these set of rules, they're good enough. Makes me go to church, makes me feel awful when I'm not there, makes me just feel like I'm just feel like I'm doing something, makes me feel productive knowing, you know what? I can do this and this and this and I can mark it off my spiritual checklist. But instead we know I can rest well in Christ knowing he is better but instead, we love our checklists. I, I mean, I personally love checklists. I love having a to-do list every day. And I'm like, okay, I got this done. I look at the end when it's all marked off, and I'm like, I did so good today. Now, more often than not, I don't cross off everything, and instead I have other things that have been added. But when that nice thing, when we mark off all of our to-do lists, it feels good, doesn't it? It feels great. So let's stop worrying about our spiritual to-do list and instead, let's just believe he's better. So look at your life again. Are you having a daily spiritual to-do list where you're like, if I don't mark it off, God's not gonna love me? Look at this passage and look at the master of the ceremony where he says, but you have kept the good wine until now. Why is this so much better till now? Because the law showed our need of a savior and Christ is saying, I'm that savior. I'm in control and I can do it. Or better yet, if you believe in Jesus, awesome. I'm so ecstatic about that. If you follow Christ with your life, it's amazing, amen. If you believe in Jesus and you've experienced him, are you sharing it? Think about it. When is the last time you shared what Christ has done in your life with somebody that doesn't believe in Jesus? I'm not talking about maybe in your Sunday school class, you're like, Jesus did this in my life today. That's great. You should do that. You need that community. But when's the last time you approached a friend or a family member that doesn't believe in Jesus and said, 
let me show you what Christ has done in my life. Because think about back to the servants, whenever Jesus, whenever they fill their jars to the brim and then Jesus changes it into wine. Did they just set it out there and not say a word and say, hopefully someone enjoys that? Or what did they do? They approached the master of the ceremony and said, try, try this. They could have just set it out there, but instead they went to the master of the ceremony and he was like, why did you save that till now? I'd rather hear me approach somebody that doesn't know Christ and they say, why'd you just share this now with me? Instead of an eternity where they're like, why'd you never share that with me? I'd rather have an awkward conversation now than an eternity of an, an awkward, sorry, I just didn't want to break, I didn't want to ruin a family get together. I didn't want to ruin our friendship potentially. Let's share what Christ is doing in our life and let's show it that it's so much better. Because look at the master of ceremony. Once they truly experience Christ in their life, they'll realize it and they'll know this is so much better. Or those that are struggling under the law, those of us in here that have our spiritual to-do list, or those of us in here that maybe just struggling saying, you know what, I'm gonna get by in life because what do all the movies teach me? If I'm good enough, I'll go to heaven. What does society teach us if we're good enough? Let's stop doing that. If you're struggling under the law or struggling under your own sin, rest well in the glory of Christ. Turn away from your own actions. Turn away. Repent of, you know what? I'm trying to help. I'm trying to do it my own way. Like Frank Sinatra, I did it my way. Let's stop doing it that. Let's focus on Christ. So for those of you that are living under the law, living under your to-do list, or those that are struggling with sin and trying to do it your way, rest well. And remember, it is by grace through faith, not by your own works. And know it is finished. Thank you again for listening to today's message. Join us next week as Pastor Steve will be back to deliver another message from God. For more information, you can download our church app at churchapp-tithely and then search for First Baptist Church. Or you can go to our website at shakotafbc.com.